Now that he's back, what's next for Kyler Murray? Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. It's week two of Kyler Murray's return. He played well in that first game, and this week he plays in his first road game against a very good Texans team, unfortunately. Also, 10 games into the season, the Cardinals' rookie class just keeps getting better and better. But first, Danny's favorite Thanksgiving dish. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 699, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So one of us, and it wasn't me, went on social media this week and posted the following as I get an eye roll from Danny Sarek. It's officially my favorite time of year. Telling everyone who slanders green bean casserole that I hate them. Let me roll up my sleeves, Craig. (laughs) Well, here's my follow-up question. How do you feel about green bean casserole? Because that'll determine the entire mood for this podcast. Well, because of that, then I'll say thumbs up to green bean casserole. And if you were being honest? I don't think I've truly... Didn't you bring... Some in. By the way, we're this is because Thanksgiving we're a week away and Thanksgiving football, you know, there's four games on Thanksgiving. So this is perfect football conversation here before we get into the meat of this Wednesday cover two show. I haven't brought any in. It's so interesting I because did. I have learned since working here the last two and a half years <laughs> that liking green bean casserole is not common, I suppose. Maybe my family just makes really good green bean casserole every year on Thanksgiving, and that's why I love it. That That is one of the dishes that extra has to be made because everybody wants seconds. Okay, well, there's good news because have you happened to see what's on the menu here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center on Friday when we have a special Thanksgiving lunch? All I've seen is special Thanksgiving lunch is green bean casserole included. Let me tell you what the menu is. No way. Free-range turkey with fresh herb gravy. And that doesn't do much for me. Traditional stuffing. That's fine. And organic green bean casserole. Let's go! I'm excited for that. See, we can celebrate Thanksgiving a week early. I'm all for it. I think you should bring some in. And we well, can do a here's taste the thing. Test. Why would I bring in green bean casserole if everybody is so set on not liking it for them to all just tell me, this is really gross, okay. Danny? All right. I'm just trying to get enough people to convert to your side of this debate. If it isn't, if it even is a debate. I don't think, I think it's one of those topics where... It's really hard to change someone's mind, right? Politics, religion, green bean casserole. So, Sure. Those three things are very much in common. <laughs> All right. Let's make that easy transition again. Thanksgiving. You think Thanksgiving. You think, well, Dallas Cowboys football, Detroit Lions football. And basically, you think football overall, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, Wednesday. Well, the NBA is trying to change that, right? Or they just do Christmas? That's just Christmas. Although now the NFL is in moving into that territory as well. You know what? No day is safe for the National Football League. That's true. We're getting to that point pretty soon. Wednesday, Tuesday. Yeah, it's, it's coming. Football every single day of the week. Why not? That's just what, a lot what, to keep really, up with. Really, what's wrong with that, though? It's a lot to keep up with. 
It is true. All right, let's keep up with what the going, what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals on Wednesday because, yes, we'll get into Kyler Murray, but there was some other good news this week at practice because there were some offensive linemen that returned to work during the open portion that we have not seen, especially Tristan Colon. haven't seen him for a while, but Colon and DJ Humphreys back at practice. A great sight. We haven't seen the injury report yet. I'm curious to see if Humphreys was limited in any fashion. Neither of them played in the game Sunday against the Falcons. So it's Calvin Beecham at left tackle and Carter O'Donnell at left guard, which was interesting because that's your fourth left guard. It had been Dennis Daly, and so that was an interesting decision to to make that change there. It was nice to see them both out of practice Wednesday very nice to see running back Amari DiMercato, who's been dealing with a toe injury, back at practice. I know we're going to talk about Kyler Murray. I'm sure we're going to talk about James Conner and his return. There's there's a significant drop-off behind those two when you're looking at what you've gotten so far out of that running back's room. So if DiMercato is able to come back and be able to be healthy enough to really supplement what Connor brings, I think that can continue to bring this offense to a whole nother level because we haven't really seen that. We we haven't really seen where DiMercato got comfortable because at that point Connor was hurt. And so I think seeing the two of them when they're both able to be out there together will still look different and better than what we've seen so far. Can you have that one-two punch at running back and then use DiMercato as your third down back because he's so good at pass protection? Yes, Connor is RB1. He's going to get most of the snaps, the big play snaps, goal line situation, but he can't play every snap. I'm sure he would love to, but typically a running back's not on the field every single snap. I believe it was, what, 41 or 42 snaps on Sunday for Connor's return, which is basically where he had been before the injury. But if you can have not that big of a drop-off because, as you mentioned it, there has been a huge drop-off behind Connor this entire season. But if you can find that second guy to carry the ball, to take some of the load off to where there's not a drop-off within the offense when you change running backs. And and I think that you saw good flashes from Di Mercado in that sense when Connor was out with his knee injury that put him on IR for four weeks. It's interesting to, to try and figure out why it is Keontae Ingram has really struggled to find positive yardage. In Connor's absence, the, the Cardinals' run game, to their credit, when you look at the numbers, didn't really falter. The production was different. You weren't finding the end zone. You weren't getting as much of that extra yardage that Connor brings you. It was impressive and important that Connor, when he stepped back onto the field this past Sunday, his first game back, you didn't see the drop-off. You didn't see any sort of limitation. You saw him continue where he left off. I don't think defenses respected a running back not named James Conner. There wasn't that threat. Yeah, the production was there, but it was a different kind of production. And what do we talk about play action and how much that had dropped off in the four games that Conner missed? Well, you look at what happened this past Sunday. Cardinals now sixth in play action percentage, according to Next Gen Stats. They were 13th. They had dropped to 13th prior to this past Sunday. And yeah, that's a big part of what Drew Petzing wants to do within this offense to make sure that it's not just all on the quarterback's shoulders. And I think that's the biggest thing, that's the biggest improvement or the biggest difference between the previous four years for Kyler Murray and this one game, hopefully first season of many, that Kyler can just be 
Kyler and not feel like he has to do everything on the football field. And that's what Kyler Murray said. I asked him that question in his press conference Wednesday. What does this new scheme allow you to do? How, how does it allow you to be your best self? And that was what he mentioned was, first of all, he loves the attention to detail. And he feels like those scramble plays, all of that comes natural. It doesn't feel forced. He, he's able to go out there and be comfortable and be confident in his ability. A large part of that is because you have a running back like Connor. And, and I'm excited to see that continue to grow and evolve week after week, the more comfortable they both get together in this new scheme. And he did mention that if things do break down or something happens, then he can just do what he does best, and that's run for a first down, buy extra time. But he is going to play within the system. And it's not Kyler Murray's the system. He's playing within the system, and that benefits everyone because we saw a number of different receivers targeted. We saw the tight end play a major role in the game on Sunday. The running back position was not targeted at all. Could have been just the first game for Kyler. We'll see where it goes from here. But it just it didn't seem better. It looked better. The numbers back it up. But overall, it just looked better, and you believe what you see on the football field. You could feel whether you were as a fan or a media member watching from the stands, the press box, TV, you could feel that jolt of energy that we were hearing from players and coaches leading up to Kyler Murray's return. The way that he was able, that was something that jumped off to me immediately, the way that Kyler was able to quickly involve multiple receivers. There hasn't been a game this year where it has felt truly complimentary spreading the ball, where you have a strong run game. That was there. Where you were able to spread the ball to multiple receivers. It's pretty much been just a Michael Wilson game or mostly a Hollywood Brown game. You were able to divvy up the ball, not only with the two of those, Rondell Moore. Moore was active, not just in the backfield, but actually downfield, which was something we have not seen, well, one, this season, two, really in Rondell Moore's time here in Arizona. It was nice to see that. And man, was it so fun to watch that connection with Trey McBride. I'm not even sure there's an argument that when Zach Ertz returns from his injury, he's on IR right now, I'm not even sure there's a question about who your tight end one is going to be. I think it's Trey McBride. I heard you bring that up on this week's Cardinals Underground with Darren and Paul. And yeah, Ertz has to miss one more game and then he's eligible to return. And that's fine, but you're right, Danny. It's that whole Wally Pip situation to where Someone has taken your spot, excelled at your spot, and that spot is someone that is going to be here next season and years beyond. Can't say that about Zach Ertz. And it's nothing against Zach Ertz, the player, but it says something about Zach Ertz, where he is in his career. I feel like we're watching Trey McBride become the player that he is going to be for a long time in this league. He had such limited opportunities last year, just as a rookie and and understanding everything. And we saw some flashes, but it wasn't consistent enough to get a good feel for him. This year, the new coaching staff has really emphasized McBride working on his blocking abilities and becoming a full tight end. And to get the opportunities and to take advantage of what he has had this year, Yes, even when Zach Ertz was out there, but really since Ertz has been out, McBride has taken advantage of that. Not to put this on just the quarterback play, because 
there were some good moments, whether from, well, mostly from Dobbs, right? Because no offense to Clayton Toon, I'm watching that Cleveland game out of my brain. And we've talked before that wasn't all just on Toon, that performance. I think Trey McBride fits in that category where when you look at the first half of the season, the numbers, it doesn't tell the true story because the connection wasn't there. Similar with Zach Ertz, similar with Hollywood Brown. So now that you've got Kyler, who's got that zip, he's got that accuracy, he's got the ball placement, I think you're going to see a lot of those players, a lot of those receivers, really start to ball out now that they've got that trust and that chemistry and connection with a quarterback who can make those throws. And McBride earlier on Wednesday during the open portion of of media availability discussed that with reporters as far as the trust that Kyler had in him and the trust that McBride has in himself and how that grew as the game progressed. And it's only going to grow because, as you mentioned it, the numbers back it up. McBride's last three games when Ertz has been on IR. 21 catches for 248 yards and a touchdown. In the first seven games this season, 15 catches, 170 yards, no touchdowns. So the production is there because he's gotten the opportunity to be on the field a lot more. And within this offense, again, it comes back to scheme. The tight end plays a major role, whether it's one or it's two. But you do need that tight end who can do it all. And while the blocking might not be there quite yet, it's something that Trey is working on. It's something that the coaches want him to, to do better to where you don't have to sub him out and that signal to the defense, okay, maybe it's not a target to the tight end, but now all of a sudden that tight end is staying in to be an extra blocker. He is also one of the nicest, um, maybe not fully introverts on this team, but but he doesn't have this loud personality walking around the facility. So when I was watching the game Sunday and I got to see the emotion and not aggressiveness, but just the passion of making those big catches, I, it's almost like it kind of makes you smile and almost chuckle a little of like, that does not look like the Trey McBride we see day in and day out of just smiling and bubbly. It was fun to kind of see that passion and that competitiveness come out in him as well. He reminds me of James Conner. Yes. who is very soft-spoken. That's a really good comparison. And then when the game starts, it's all of a sudden a switch is turned on and Connor becomes someone different. That energy and then being able to release that emotion on the field when a play is made. There was one moment, yeah, it was on Sunday's game, can't remember exactly when, but Connor had a run, broke a couple of tackles, finally stopped, and went to get up to do that yell and hulk up but there was a defender in the way (laughs) and he just kind of looked at him and kind of pushed him aside he's like no I need to do this and release this (laughs) pent-up energy and just to kind of like bring it out and then feed off the emotion of the crowd as well but yeah walking around the facility here James Conner soft-spoken great guy Trey McBride soft-spoken great guy but there are some there's a different mentality when you step across those lines in order to be successful as a professional athlete, regardless of what sport it is, but especially a physical sport like the NFL and just football in general, it does bring out something different in you. The success on Sunday, that offense, it all stems from your quarterback. It all stems from the impressive performance Kyler had in his first game back. It also helps that you had your other players, James Conner, Trey McBride, everybody else who played a role, the offensive line who had to step up, 
it, it's it's nice help that they also had a good game to supplement Kyler and kind of make things a little easier for him. So what's next for K1? His first road game coming up on Sunday at the Houston Texans. That's 11 a.m. kickoff. 6.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. So as we keep checking boxes on this line, if you will, or this spreadsheet, as far as you get hurt, you rehab, and then you start to practice, and then you play your first game. And then he mentioned the 48 hours afterwards, he felt sore, but it's kind of a good sore because that's your body's going through a lot. So he feels good on a Wednesday's practice, but now it's, okay, now you're on the road different environment, and then that communication, the operations between the booth, the sideline, to the quarterback, to his teammates, in and out of the huddle, all that now will have to be done on the road. And with the Texans team, Danny, that is playing good football, that environment is going to be that much harder as opposed to maybe if this was a 2-8 and eight team like the Cardinals, fan base maybe not too excited about watching the home team, but They've won two in a row. They're five and four. They're a playoff team as we speak here going into week 11. So, yeah, the environment is going to be a little bit different for Kyler Murray and company. And that was interesting. Kyler talked about it in his press conference about how when he was in the huddle on Sunday, the the new terminology and understanding everything and making sure he wasn't going back to what he was used to before and what he's seeing and making sure he's calling it the right way. And, you know, the false start and things of that nature like that, I don't know if we'll call it rust, but I don't have a problem with those types of penalties and from Kyler and just kind of getting used to being out on a football field and in that environment that you can't replicate in practice or anywhere else. It will be a good test now, though, being on the road of really making sure you know what is going on, you're on your P's and Q's, and that communication is top-notch. A lot of what Kyler has done in the past has been hand signals. Now you see him, he's got a wristband. And now he's communicating what he is told in the headset, in the helmet, to his teammates. You're huddling. You're operating a little bit slower. Sometimes they will go up tempo. But that is a huge adjustment. And you factor in the new new terminology, easy enough for me to say, which is a new language, as he described it. So, yeah, this is all brand new. You brought up the false start that he had in the second quarter. There was also a delay of game. In the first quarter, midway through, I looked up. That was the first delay of game all season. And didn't it feel very differently from the previous delay of games or maybe having to use a timeout last minute because you weren't getting a call in on time for offense? Because the play, That ran through my mind. It did mine as well because there was a lot of calmness on the field as that play clock was approaching zero. Kyler turned to the sideline and started kind of motioning, do you want me to call a timeout? Do we need to call a timeout? Well, we've heard in the past, whether it was JG or Nick Rollis or Drew Petzing, sometimes it's okay to have that false start or that delay a game early and not burn a timeout because you want that timeout at the end of the half, end of the game. And okay, so instead of first and 10, it's first and 15 or second and eight becomes second and 13. You can afford that delay a game in the first quarter or early third quarter. But just the fact that there were no like arms up in the air or yelling and screaming, just players not knowing what's going on. It's like, okay, take the five yards, step back, regroup, and let's move on. Kyler did not look flustered, whether that was clock winding down, in the pocket, escaping the pocket. He looked comfortable. I I liked, I didn't have a problem with what I saw with him being under center nine times. I thought 
you know, it was probably more than what I even expected in his first game back with that being new to the scheme that Kyler has always played because that was not something he's had to do in his career. And really, with the exception of that interception and the miscommunication with McBride, it didn't seem like Kyler or the receivers weren't on the same page. We weren't seeing throws where you're thinking, who on earth was he targeting? What was he looking at? What is he seeing? We didn't see any of that, which is a great sign of the preparation that Kyler and this coaching staff has done to get him to that point to feel ready. We heard leading up to the game, he felt comfortable, he felt ready, felt like he understood everything, and he proved that in his play on Sunday. We should have believed him and everyone else, but until you see it, you can't just buy in, and because it is not natural for someone to miss 11 months, 10 months post-major surgery, and then step back in as if he had never left, because that's what it felt like. Like Kyler, and I know Darren brought this up, that film on Sunday looked no different than the film from 2021 or early 2022. And that's not just his legs. Yes, that is the obvious talking point. One, with his skill set. Two, coming off a knee injury, a, a major knee injury. The fact that Kyler was able to scramble and use his legs and was not knee braced and not see any sort of hindrance there. There was also no change from that power, the speed in which he's getting that ball out, the accuracy. I know that deep ball to Hollywood Brown was, but it was so close. And that's just going to come with time. It was good to see that it didn't seem like the other parts besides his legs of Kyler's game didn't seem any different. You're right. If you turn on the film, it would be hard to to pinpoint that this is at this point his career and not at some point before the injury. I did think it was a little poetic that 11 months to the day after tearing his ACL on a scramble on that field, Kyler, one, had that fantastic scramble for a first down where he ended up covering 70 yards, and two had a touchdown with his legs in his first game back. A little bit of poetic justice in my mind. And the arm strength that he showed, the accuracy, Kyler averaged 7.8 yards per attempt against the Falcons. Only once in the season's previous nine games did a quarterback average better than that, and that was Josh Dobbs' week nine against the Cowboys when he was at nine yards per attempt. So already the elevation in talent level at that quarterback position is going to elevate everyone else on the offense. And then against the Blitz, guys around Murray's feet, his legs, a lot of bodies. Next-gen stats. Murray was blitzed 44.4% of his dropbacks, fourth highest rate he's faced in his career. Yet Murray was 8 of 13 for 114 yards and that interception, which was a miscommunication. And as Gannon said earlier on Wednesday, quote, there was no panic in his game. There really wasn't, and that's impressive with an offensive line that Kyler doesn't have a lot of experience with. On that offensive line on Sunday, he's had experience with Kelvin Beecham, although not a lot of experience with Beach as your blindside left tackle, and right guard Will Hernandez. And that was it. It seemed like good communication with Yelda Froholt, as your center, especially now with those snaps. And rookie right tackle Paris Johnson Jr., who Kyler was very excited about after the draft and having that sort of protection over there. So it's still, you know, we should give props to the offensive line, too, of the way they performed. And if you're able to get a little healthier, if you're able to get that left side back to being Tristan Colon and DJ Humphreys, because left guard Elijah Wilkinson is still on IR with a neck injury, if you can get Colon and Humphreys back, 
I think that will that will be even better for Kyler's game. Kyler was only pressured on ten and a half percent of his pass plays. And now how much of that was the good offensive line play or just the fact that Kyler can get you out of a lot of sacks based off his ability, his scrambling ability. But you brought up something that I, I wanted to not spring this on you, but I was going to oh, kind of no. test, not test your memory, but just kind of go back because you look, week 14. Is this another tweet or something of mine? No, 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 okay. no. no. <laughs> what, do, what, do, what do you think I am? I don't know. This is like the third show where you've gone back through my Twitter. I didn't know. Well, this was recent. I didn't, you know, when you pop up green bean casserole on my phone <laughs> at like seven at night or whatever time it was, like, okay, well, this is going to be brought up okay. on the show. Fair. All right. Week 14, 2022, Monday Night Football against the Patriots. That's when Kyler got hurt. Okay. So fast forward to week 10, this past Sunday against the Falcons. How many starters are the same on oh. offense and defense? And the, defense. Oh, and I went on defense too. And this is great stuff. Just you don't have to give me the names. I'm not just, gonna. Th- okay, I'm not gonna spend too me, much time a, trying to go through everything. Give me in my a, head. a number of how many were the same on offense. How many were the same on offense? Yeah. Uh, give me a number. Or if you got names, five. Give me, okay, close. Four. Okay. James Conner, Hollywood Brown, Trey McBride, Kelvin Beecham, and Beach only because DJ Humphreys was hurt. But the rest of your offensive line on that day, week 14, Josh Jones, Max Garcia, Cody Ford, Billy Price. Wow. In addition, wide receivers, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. So, in other words... And which... Was that was that Trace McSorley? Was that Colt McCoy? <laughs> was that quarterback at that point? No, I mean, it was Kyler... Oh, Kyler was ...against there. the Patriots oh, oh, and he I get see. hurt. So, okay. I'm going, yeah, I'm going back to week 14. To when the, he started. The last okay. game before Sunday that Kyler Murray played... Four starters on offense. You want to try defense? Oh, yikes. Um, Honestly, four? It's four. I was going to say three or four. Zayvon Collins, Marco Wilson, Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker. Which is, the the secondary is about the same. Now, One of those wasn't even the same position. That's true. (laughs) Here, who was also on the field? Zach Allen? J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden, MyJ Sanders, Ben Neiman, your inside linebacker, Isaiah Simmons, and Antonio Hamilton. Wow. Now, Hamilton's still on the team, but he didn't start against the Falcons. Played a lot, but he didn't start. So basically, your secondary is the same with the addition of Garrett Williams. But everything else, the offensive line is brand new. And your defensive line line and outside linebackers, yeah. Wow. So 13 different starters from week 14, 2022, to week 10, 2023. And you know what? I was talking with Darren out at practice Wednesday about this, that this is not a 2-8 and eight team. And, you know, it's not just about comparisons of last year to this year. It really just feels very different in a lot of aspects this year for the better of The way that this team, the fight that they have, the passion, the attention to detail and technique, um, and really playing as a unit. Part of that, I think, is because, especially on the defense, there's been such a heavy emphasis on rotation. On the defensive line, there probably would be more if you were healthier. If you had your starters in Carlos Watkins and LJ Collier, you would probably have more of a rotation than you currently do. But rotation with the outside linebackers and, and having different fronts, it's been very impressive the way that, from what I can tell, 
the mentality of this team has not wavered in the slightest. We couldn't say that this time last year when you're talking about Week 10 moving on last year. It it just wasn't the same. It's been very impressive from a player standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, what has been built so quickly here. It's a good starting point, and that's something that Kyler brought up as well. That Yeah, it was one game, and now you look to improve upon that game. And I know, and I've said this before, Gannon didn't like the word rebuild. That was in the offseason. He also didn't like when it was asked about Kyler's return being a reset to the season. But this is exactly what it is. Sunday was game one of the second half of the 2023 season. Or if you want, game one of the season as a whole because a lot is what do you do after this season at quarterback and every other position moving forward with the guys who have been here, the new faces that were brought in, either signed, claimed, or drafted, how many of the pieces on that 53-man roster and practice squad are going to be a part of the future moving forward, meaning long-term, 2024 and beyond. That's what this season was about, and specifically these last eight games with Kyler Murray are more about that. What do you do about a franchise quarterback? I do think there's still a lot that you can take away from the first half of the season of the way that individuals were playing and understanding the scheme and and picking things up and kind of the attitude that you have that they want in the culture here. You're now at the point where you are getting healthy. This team dealt with a lot of injuries and it was it felt really um, like each position would be hit at the same time. Right. The beginning of the season, your defensive line was hit. And then your secondary was hit when you had Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson both out with injury. And then your running backs room when you didn't have James Conner, you didn't have Amari DiMercato, and of course you didn't have Kyler Murray. But now you're kind of starting to get healthy. So yes, while this second half of the season is, for good reason, focused around Kyler Murray, I think you're going to get a better look at the foundation that is being set of this team on both sides of the ball because you are starting to get healthy your coordinators are now getting a better feel, I would imagine, of what can this defense really look like now that now that we're pretty healthy? What can this offense really do? How how much damage can we really do now that we've got the quarterback that we were trying to build things around? And who is continuing to show that improvement to the point where, okay, now some rookies, some first year guys are assuming larger roles, i.e. BJ Ojolari. Dante Stills, Garrett Williams, those three rookies, by the way, three of the top 10 highest-graded rookies in Week 10. Ojolari was number one at 85.7, and that, in addition to a good grade, also got him a chance to sit down, actually walk with you, because sideline exchange is now a walk and talk instead of a stand and talk. You also did a couple of times where you sat down, correct? No? No, not yet. Not Not yet? Okay. All walking. All walking, but you had a chance to do that with BJ after practice on Wednesday. BJ is one of those players that reminds me of James Conner and Trey McBride, how we were talking earlier of a little more reserved, very well-mannered, but when he gets out on the field, you can see what everybody else saw when it came to why they wanted to draft him and bring him to this organization. Ojolari didn't have an offseason, which is really difficult for anybody, but especially for a rookie. He was nursing a knee injury and his position coach Rob Rodriguez talked to the media a couple months ago at this point and was saying you know the things we're working on having to break down and work with him 
is going to take time because we didn't have an offseason to do that with him and pretty much told us, give him a couple months and you'll really see really see him shine. And Ojolari seems to be hitting that sweet spot against the Falcons. Two sacks, two quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. He was, you can really see the reach and the confidence and comfortability that he is now playing in this defense that shows in the increase in snaps that he is having week after week. It was really great to talk to him. As somebody who is a little more reserved, he's not short with his answers, which I thought was great. He gives a lot of good insight about what is working for him. What is he still wanting to improve on this back half of the season? Um, What he's doing to avoid hitting the rookie wall? And how this outside linebackers room is getting the job done for a group of players that didn't have a lot of experience. I thought it was a really interesting sideline exchange interview, which will be out Thursday. And of course, we talked about Texans rookie quarterback CJ Stroud, who understandably so, we were told by head coach Jonathan Gannon, is not playing like a rookie, and he is not. No, C.J. Stroud is doing something that we all hoped he would not be doing this season, specifically this season. Come yes, on. don't forget, Cardinals own the Houston Texans' first-round pick, and as Darren wrote earlier on azcardinals.com, if the season were to end today, which it does not, Cardinals would have the 20th pick because of the Texans' 5-4 and four start to the season, and C.J. Stroud playing very, very well, not playing like a rookie deservedly so in that MVP conversation so yeah that's the task at hand for BJ Ojolari Dante Stills Garrett Williams what do they do in week 11 after their performances in week 10 but you talk about Ojolari the plan for him after an offseason in which he was coming off an injury plan for Garrett Williams after an offseason injury and then different with Stills but he had to wait his turn because of injuries ahead of him, a Carlos Watkins and LJ Collier, and just biding his time but putting in the work during the week to show that he can, if given that tap on the shoulder, hey, it's your turn, that he was doing everything the right way in order to show the coaches he could, if given the chance, produce, and he has. He's got four tackles for loss and two and a half sacks, which right now is more sacks than Will Anderson has for the Texans, who was the third overall pick and the pick the Cardinals had before trading and ultimately landing Paris Johnson Jr. When you and I were sitting at that desk in the studio doing live draft show coverage, when we got to the end of day three, could you have imagined the way this rookie class has stepped up the way they have? Even even somebody like cornerback Keetra yeah. Clark, who started the season and now has been playing as much, he's played on special teams, still contributed and still learning. Amari Di Mercado, Paris Johnson Jr., Michael Wilson, this entire rookie class, not just those that were drafted, the undrafted as well. I mean, I I know I demanded flowers if I was right that <laughs> Kyler was going to make his return against the Ravens. I feel like I should have you hand deliver flowers to General Manager Monty Austin Fort and Head Coach Jonathan Gannon at this point because what they have been able to get out of their rookies has been incredibly impressive. Don't forget Clayton Toon with a start plus his first career touchdown. Yes. Owen Papo has made plays on special teams, the onside kick recovery earlier this season. John Gaines was looking really good in preseason before he yep. had that season-ending knee injury. Just, uh, again, and, and that's not just awesome for it and Gannon, right? That's every coach. That's the players themselves that are putting in this work and learning from the veterans on what they can be doing better and how to take care of their body. 
it, it has just been really great to see that immediate impact. And a lot of times teams just see that from, you know, maybe your top one or two draft picks and there's usually a, a rookie who kind of surprises you. But it, I, I really can't think off the top of my head where you can and given like I, you know, it's not like I'm covering teams as in depth around the league as I am the Cardinals. But it, it's really hard to think about a rookie class as large as the Cardinals that is contributing and starting and making plays the way they all are. Through week 10, that Cardinals draft class, not including Di Mercado or Starling Thomas, a couple of undrafted rookies, but that Cardinals rookie draft class, collectively, 30 starts. A year ago, the 2022 draft class, 22 starts, and Trey McBride was responsible for 13 of those 22 starts. So again, it's a credit to Monty Austinfort. And here's an idea, Danny, that why don't you present flowers <laughs> with some green bean casserole to the Ooh. general manager, and then you can... But here's the thing. It's so polarizing that if I show up to his <laughs> office with green bean casserole, he might slam the door in my face and tell me to never come back, Craig. I yeah. don't know how he feels about that. But he would not do that even if he did not like... The green bean casserole? The gesture would be appreciated? Yes, and he's a big (laughs) fan of yours. Very sweet. Well, I'll consider it. Okay. By the way, since I did not say it off the top, although we did allude to it on Sunday, it is good to have you back. (laughs) Thank you. It will be good to have you be back on Sunday's kickoff show, and we'll have to wait and see what kind of intros are produced for that one. I'm scared. No, it was very good. It's very good to be back. I, uh, you know, unfortunately had to deal with some stuff that kept me away from State Farm Stadium Sunday, away from the facility Monday. Great job to you stepping in uh, Morning Scramble, our live stream coverage show Monday mornings at 10 a.m. You did a great job there. Zach Gershman filled in for me pregame radio and on Morning Scramble, and he did a great job. And I, I did listen to pregame radio. I was listening on the 98.7 Sports app and listening to what you guys had to say. I listened to the Open. I thought that... Jim M100 did a great job incorporating some fun open uh, with Zach and his voice, and um, you guys did a great job, but it's very, very good to be back. It was Kyler Murray who returned last week. It's Danny Sarek <laughs> who returns this week. No pressure if Kyler came back the way he did. <laughs> a lot of writing on week 11. Yeah, no kidding. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.